Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is a conversation with Orla Comerford. Orla is an Irish Paralympic sprinter who has recently returned from the Games. We had a really, really good conversation about how she found the off-season, how she switches off from training during the off-season, her motivation to get back into training, her mentality towards athletics as a whole, the Paralympics in Tokyo, and we also had a very brave and poignant conversation about losing her phenomenal coach, Brian Corcoran, while she was away in Japan. Brian had a massive impact on herself and many, many others in Irish athletics. So it was great to talk about him. And I'm sure there will be many people who can empathize with Orla and what she's going through currently. A great conversation as always. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. This podcast is sponsored by Coach Sam Portland, who is also known as Coach Portland on Instagram and Facebook. Sam has devised a mentorship program for strength and conditioning coaches that gives them the tools to take control of and change their lives. I can testify to this given that I participated in the program earlier this year. Sam has coached international rugby players, Olympic athletes and elite level American footballers. Using all of his experience, the mentorship program puts you, the coach, first giving you systems of application from speed and change of direction to the minute detail of speed coaching, program development, injury rehab, and much, much more. It will help you distill your current knowledge and allow you to beat the battle of information overload the industry currently faces. What separates this mentorship program from the rest is the personal development aspect. 50% of the program is dedicated to you getting to know yourself further as a coach. I can safely say that this is the aspect that makes the most meaningful and significant change, helping you to find the right balance between elite level coaching and living a happy and purposeful life. If you're interested and want to learn more, for PD Performance podcast listeners only, Sam is offering five 60-minute coach audit calls valued at £150 for free. To register for this unique opportunity, send Sam an email with the subject line PD Performance Mentorship to sam at coachsportland.co.uk. Only five audit calls are up for grabs, so go and get after it. Now, onto the podcast. Orla, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming. Really looking forward to this chat. How's all going in the off season? Oh, so what's the plan for today? Um, well, I'm here and then I've got a bit of work and I've got a bit of training to do. So I'll go today. But uh, yeah, I'm just back. I took quite a hefty month off, a full four weeks after Tokyo. And I'm just kind of easing my way back into the training now. So uh, obviously because of injuries in Tokyo, I can't just kind of launch back into the, the kind of winter training I usually would or most people usually would. So we're kind of starting out with a bit of rehab and circuit-based work and bringing up the conditioning and adding in the bike and then hopefully adding back on the kind of running gradually. So it's like I'm technically back, but I don't yeah. feel like I'm back. It doesn't feel like, you know, I'm back training. It kind of feels quite minimal at the moment, but better safe than sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So do you reckon you were like 
mentally ready to get back to it now after the month off was the month necessary do you reckon to like just yeah. relax I'm getting there I, like it's so bizarre because I'm usually the kind of athlete like a, a season ends and uh like everyone's like take three weeks off take four weeks off and I'm like I'll take two fine yeah I'll t- like okay. I just I'm real like I like to bargain you know around it I don't like to take time off I get really restless when I take time off like come day 10 I can usually do nothing for 10 days maybe and then I just start like every second day I'll go for a run or I'll do some gym work or bike work I just like to kind of keep active because it's just so makes it so much easier to go back mm. um but I, this is the first time that I can ever remember that I have absolutely no desire to be training like I I had kind of initially been like I'll train through for two weeks when I come home from Tokyo and then I'll take two weeks off at the end of the month to go traveling and then I'll come back and ease my way back in like I finished up in Tokyo and I was like I am not training through for two weeks (laughs) absolutely not and then my physios and coaches were all kind of like great brilliant we didn't want you to do it anyway so they were like great brilliant take the whole month and I kind of I thought maybe like oh once I get away I might might start to get but then like you're just busy being away and enjoying your holiday and like I haven't been on a holiday in like three years or something like well everyone you know hasn't so I was just like loving life and had no desire to be back on the bike or back on the track (laughs) but now that I'm back home I, I do like the first kind of week or two I was kind of like oh god like I have to go back now but like I am starting to kind of miss the routine of it I'm feeling a bit like like I'm kind of doing nothing I'm like hanging in the air like waiting for my routine to kind of kick back in properly so I think I'll prefer it and be happier in it once I have a routine to kind of get stuck into yeah that's something that's not spoken about very often no. isn't it that like yeah. actual elite athletes struggle sometimes with their motivation to keep going yeah. like and sometimes you don't want to train no and it's all it's also quite foreign to me because like I, like even during the year if I'm told to take a week off here or there like I just I can't accept it like I won't take the time which probably to my own detriment like definitely to my own detriment mm. like you know you do need to take downtime. And I suppose like so much of my training in athletics, like even when I've had time off over the past number of years, it's just been so all consuming. Like when I say I haven't taken a break in like three years since 2018, I took 10 days after I had surgery. I took a week after I had an injection into my ankle. And like that's the only time I can remember taking significant time where I just did nothing. And I'm also like, but that's not a breakaway from sport because you're sat in bed and you can't move and you can't mm-hmm. go anywhere and you're thinking about what you're doing to come back and everything. So like, it was just really, really nice and refreshing to be like taking a step away from it and like actually not thinking about things. And like, even like my emails, I'd see the number rack up every day when I was away and I'd kind of like peer in to see like, oh shit, is there anything I need to get done? And like, they'd be like, reviews funding you know like college like all this stuff pouring in I was like I can't deal with that right now yeah, <laughs> I was like, better than not my holiday out. is to not think about any of this I was like I'll deal with that when I get home so yeah it was definitely strange for me not to have that kind of desire to be like right okay I want to get back into it and like it's definitely something I'm not used to but I, I'm also not hugely surprised you know considering the last number of years it's kind of like well yeah I probably did need the break so definitely. Uh, I'm sure in a month's time I'll be like delighted to be back in my usual routine and working hard and getting fit again and, and getting going so so were you able to enjoy the off season like immensely when you were away well we, we'll stop calling it the off season yeah. now, I suppose because we're getting away <laughs> from the actual yeah. like sport but the holidays were you able to sit there and not think about athletics at all because it sounds like from what you're saying there that that's been a struggle for you in the past like, yeah no it's definitely been a struggle in the past um and 
like I suppose two weeks of the four weeks I took off were at home before I went away uh, and like I found that quite hard because like everyone you meet wants to talk about Tokyo everything you do and talk about and say just like all revolves around that world and people are saying like when are you going back what are you doing what's the plan for next year and I was just like oh. um so I definitely uh then when I went away it was so much easier to turn that stuff off it's like I don't have to answer any of my messages on Instagram I don't have to answer any of my emails I don't have to like I don't have to reply to those things I'm just like I'm away exactly you know out of office um, yeah out of office exactly so it actually was so nice to get that like switch off mentally from like all things and like it but it's so hard because those things if you go to bed at night those things like still are the things that creep into your mind when you're like thinking about and then you have to kind of like catch yourself and be like stop like stop thinking about that stop worrying about that don't stress deal with that when you get home so it was definitely a really nice opportunity and like even stuff like going out for dinner like I just didn't like like wasn't considering what I was or wasn't eating what I was or wasn't drinking you know like even like I'd be like sure I'll go off today and I'll wander around like the town I'm staying in like yeah I'm going to be on my feet for 40 minutes and I'm going to go for a walk and like that stuff at home I have to consider like oh well if I'm going there I'm going to be on my feet for 40 minutes and then I have a training session so that's not you know so like it's all these like stupid little things that like seem so inconsequential to like most people like it's just things I have to consider like every single day so it's so nice to just not consider them and like you know like go off on a boat and jump off a cliff and like not be paranoid that you're going to get injured and jeopardize your season like you know all this like it becomes so consuming so it's so nice to like actually switch all of that stuff off for a couple of weeks uh I mean like it's all there for a good reason and yeah. it keeps you safe and it keeps you you know going in the right direction when you're training but like it's so nice to not have to consider those things for a couple of weeks you probably don't even notice during a cycle how much it permeates kind of everything that you do oh, until you're away and you're like yeah. I don't need to worry about it yeah definitely and as well especially if you're away with people who aren't athletes like because I, I was away with a whole mixture of different people and some of those people were athletes and some of those people weren't and like I even noticed and caught myself like acting differently around you know like or like I'd catch myself doing things and I'd be like oh shit like I I have to be more relaxed or you know yeah. so it was uh it was actually quite interesting like you kind of don't really realize how much it infiltrates like everything that you do so what sort of things that we talked about in terms of athletics is it like routine kind of orientated stuff and just being stricter on different things like timings and bedtimes and wake times and how much you're drinking and yeah. what you're eating and <laughs> is it so that you're not like to worry about those things on holidays yeah um no I, I think it's mainly the like being on your feet like being out and about being in situations that like you like that aren't dangerous but you could like like I was like jumping at the 40 foot in Dublin like last year and I hit my foot something really small wouldn't like wouldn't affect anyone would be grand because like I already had a reoccurring injury it caused this whole kerfuffle and like I'd spent extra weeks trying to like settle that so like stuff like that then I was like that just said to me like oh shit okay so that means like I can't be like I can go for a swim but like only in a place I know like I can't go I can't go jumping off cliffs places I can't like I can't do that stuff I'm not Mm. I'm not my friends I don't have the luxury of like doing all that kind of stuff which is so stupid and so ludicrous but like on your holidays then like people are like oh we go cliff jumping I'm like oh no and then I'm like wait oh yes I can do those things like you know so it's uh yeah it is kind of it's funny but yeah yeah, that was something that I didn't actually realize, like speaking to Harry McNulty when he was on the podcast. Yeah, we were talking about um, him getting away and going doing different sports and trialing different sports. And yeah. he was saying, like, 
in his contract with the Giltinis in LA, yeah. his rugby contract, he's not allowed to do adventure sports as recreate like like recreational yeah, in case he gets me. in case he gets injured. And I was yeah. like, what? Like so, even when you're not on the premises and they're not controlling you, essentially, they're still. Yeah. But it, like, it is a kind of a funny thing because it's like if you're a sports person, then like you know, like you are to a sense an investment to somebody. Yeah. And then, but like the investment is in like your body. So it's like, yours, how do you have autonomy over your body when it's technically the investment? So like, they obviously do have control of it outside the walls, but like, that's just the way it is. It's kind of crazy. Like it's it mad kind of as well, isn't it? Like that. Idea. But at the same time, a, an elite I athlete. ever saw an athlete skiing. I feel like, <laughs> <gasps> what are they doing? That's what you said. <laughs> like, that is crazy. Like, yeah. like you are just asking for an injury. Like, <laughs> but... At the same time, if you compare an elite athlete to the general population, yeah. the general population are far more likely to get injured. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, um, it's also like, I don't know, like I always say like the year I retire, I'm going on a, like going on this huge round the world trip. I'm going skiing. I'm going bungee jumping, skydiving. <laughs> like I'm doing it all. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, no, it is. Like, I think that's lots of other athletes are in the same boat. They kind of like have to think twice about doing stuff like that, you know? It's mad though as well, like in those situations too, from experience. And even, well, I know like it's athletics for you. So it's a, a sole pursuit. It's not a team yeah. sport. But if you go into a chaotic team sport, you're like, oh, I better not get injured here. That's yeah. when you get injured. Yeah. yeah when yeah. you don't fully commit and you hold back. Yeah, for and sure. And if you're jumping off a cliff into water as well, and yeah. you're thinking, okay, go in straight, don't fall yeah. over or hyper or keep your weight dispersed evenly yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That's when you fall over and flatten I yourself. Yeah, like. exactly. No, yeah, it's, yeah, it is funny. So you weren't thinking about that when you were doing the cliff jump and you were just completely like, relaxed? It's so funny because even then I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I just kind of went for it. And I was like, mm, there were definitely some areas where I was like, mm, the push-off's going to be too big <laughs> there now. I don't know if the quads are really going to stand up for that. Like I might, I'll wait and I'll go with the next one where this, you don't have to jump out so far. Like, like it just, it permeates everything you do. So so then like, how is the quad now? Because you say you're getting back into rehab and stuff. Is the goal initially now to just rehabilitate that so that you're at a level that you can train? Yeah, to be honest, like it, it wasn't a terribly bad injury. Like it, it was a small tear in the quad. Like anyone who's had that before knows it's not the world's worst injury. It was just the world's worst timing for yeah. me. Like there's just no way you can run at your best or at your fastest three weeks after you've <laughs> a small tear in your quad. So like, it's fine. You know, uh, we're just kind of... Uh, kind of being more safe than sorry now with doing a bit of rehab work for it before we kind of launch into things and make sure we're evened up it's like not the biggest concern I have with regard to injury like uh, I think my big goal for the year is just to try and get through the year in one piece and not be injured like I know like that seems really like minimal to most people because like obviously that's always the goal for every year but like Mm. I haven't had a year not injured or like dealing with an injury or working around an injury since I was like 17 18 uh, and I'm 24 now so like my entire career has been littered with injuries so like um like when I'm like that's my goal for the year I'm like that's a big ask like that is a huge huge ask and like I don't necessarily know that it's gonna happen but I'm like I'm gonna put everything towards it and really hope and I think my big thing is like every year I've had to push to be like okay well I need to get these times in and time to qualify for that championships and well okay my foot's really really sore now but the championships is in three weeks so I'm just gonna do it anyway you know all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff over the past number of years so like and even with Tokyo like had it been in 2020 there's just no I wouldn't have made the team like at all 100% wouldn't have so then it was kind of like a silver line 
signing that I was given the extra year and the chance to make the team. But then I kind of had a few ups and downs that meant making the team was this huge push again. I found myself in like a, a similar situation where I had like a really small window of time to get a lot of quality work done, quality work that I haven't been able to do in like two years. And it's like, do all of it now in six weeks, stay injury free and like run these times. So it's like, like you might run the times, but it's going to cost you. Like your body is going to pay the price for that kind of thing. Like you can't ask your body to do that and, and not give out. So unfortunately, like we had a lot of ups and downs. So my kind of goal for this year is like, if I'm ready for competitions, great. If I'm not, I'm just not pushing. Like the goal for me just has to be Paris. And it's so, so close. Like people are like, oh, it's a three-year cycle. But like, it's a two-year cycle because it's like, it's two years and then it's the year of Paris. So like, you know, I have this year in, in my mind of this year to get right and to get injury free and whether I make a championships or not like I really I, I can't think about that I just have to think about like getting my body in the right position to be able to take on two years of really good work into Paris um so that's kind of where I'm at for this year um and I'm hopeful I'm optimistic but I'm also like I'm not naive like I know that I've been caught in a compensatory injury cycle so like people are kind of like like oh you must be doing things wrong you must be this that and the other and you're like sometimes you get into these cycles and like doesn't matter if you do everything right it's just so hard to get out of them and it's especially hard to get out of them when there's time pressure in terms of like qualifying and, and getting to championships and stuff like that so hopefully without that kind of pressure on myself well I mean like hopefully yeah <laughs> uh, that might it might kind of work to my benefit but the key word you used is pushing like yeah. you've always been pushing pushing the boundaries yeah. of what you can do so you've yeah. always been overreaching yeah. was trying to manage yeah, the biomechanical absolutely. issues yeah. so now it sounds like you are more focused on just getting everything right yeah. and then when you go into that actual focus period yeah. for Paris then you can push essentially yeah. and I suppose manage is the word like I've, I've spent the last number of years managing to get through and like it's so frustrating as well because you get to these championships and like you like I perform like pretty poorly at a lot of them and I'm like people are like oh well done that was great and you're like it's shit it was shit and it's not that I'm trying to shit on myself that's your perspective like, no though, but like Marla. it's you know when you when you go through training and you know your splits in training mm. and you know your potential and you know the times you should be running and then you go up and you start on a line you don't run those times and like you know your hamstrings hanging off you because you tore it two months ago like you're kind of like I hate being here and like representing myself as this you know, because you're like, I know I'm capable of so much more. I know I have way better times than me. I know that I can perform a lot better. I just need to give myself the opportunity to do that. So, so like, I'm excited. I think that's the, the only thing that like keeps me in the sport. And the only reason I haven't walked away is because it's like, I just like don't feel like any of my performances are like, you know, a portrayal of the work I put in, of the potential that I have and the things that I can do. So, yeah, I suppose that's. But I think it sounds like you put yourself under an awful lot of pressure because you said the times that you should be running. Yeah. And I... it's not what you should be running, though. There, like, no, there's no obligation that you have to run those times. And I think like recently I was reading an interview with you or I was watching an interview with you yeah. and. The thing that hit home for me that I thought was very important for young athletes to realize as well, yeah. and it sounded very level-headed from you, was that in Tokyo, the win was getting to the start line. Well, yeah, that was, I mean, given the circumstances that, mm. I mean, my goal, like, 
my goal for 2021 shifted several times. I mean, initially there, there was definitely a point where making the team, okay, when it was moved from 2020 to 2021, I was like, okay, this means like I actually have a chance here. I can make the team and I could do something. And then things were all going quite well. And there was a point where I was kind of looking at it and looking at where I was in training and the time I had left. And I was like, do you know what? Like it could be really realistic for me to, to target a medal. And like that was a very realistic goal. And then there was kind of some injury upsets and I was like, okay, look, that's probably not going to be possible anymore, but it's definitely possible for me to be competitive, to, to make a final quite easily. And then to be competitive in that field, I'm not going to be pushing on the medals, but like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in that top eight, top 10, whatever. Um, and then when we got to Tokyo, the last day of camp, I toured the quad. Mm. And so at that point, then I was like, well shit like I don't even know if I can like get on the start line and like I don't know even if I do get on the start line can I make it across the finish line because like I had like a 10-day window then where I could just do everything that I could possibly do to try and settle the quad and give myself enough strength or like enough you know enough there that I could come out of the box safely and, and get through but like but we also didn't have the time or the leisure to, to be able to test those things. So like, I'd be like, Oh, like, could I go up and do drills? Or like, could I go up and do accelerations? And we were kind of like, but like at what cost? Like say I go up and I do them mm. and then I make it worse. And it, I actually am able for it. Then I'm not going to be able to line up in two days time. So like then the goal shifted again, like, okay, well now our goal is like making it to the start line and being able to be in the race. That's just the goal. And like, I suppose for a lot of other athletes, like I think like there were definitely athletes on the team who were like, I would be fucking on a plane home. There's no way I'd be out there. And like, understandably. And I think like if I hadn't been in the situation I was in, it wouldn't have been so wild for me to be like, I don't think I should run that because obviously, you know, like I had to have the conversation on the phone with my coach the the night before I raced when he was like, if the quad gets really bad when you run, stop don't push it because he was like we don't have time to deal with the ruptured quad we can't you won't come back from it you know so because I'm like I'm going to get up there and I'm going to do everything I can I'm going to push so hard and he's like well don't because like we can't (laughs) he was like we can't do that like you you can't like there's no way and you know so like when you think about that in terms of contrast to the conversations everyone else on the line was having with their coaches the night before you know like it, it does kind of put into context like where I was at and where the goal had kind of moved move to so yeah I mean like I think for anyone who knows athletics it was pretty easy and clear to see like I came out of the box I came up and then there's just another gear that I couldn't flick on to yeah. which is fine you know it is what it is and I made it across the finish line and exactly. we're peace so that's it. but that's <laughs> it have like, to take that away from it I suppose you know if some if somebody had a said to you in 2020 we can get you to the start line in the Paralympics yeah and you can finish the race, but you're not going any further. If they had said that to you when you were going through the ankle injuries in yeah. 2018 to 2020, you would have bit their hand off, wouldn't you? Yeah, I suppose. I'm like, no, but yeah. I you would have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you said that yeah. I like, and then some of them that I'm kind of a little bit yeah, well, like, I, thinking I, about. Like, I think I can be a bit harsh on myself, but I think that's that's the... That's for every athlete to, mm. to, to kind of that's what makes you themselves. Yeah. get to where you're getting like to. If like. I didn't think I could run any faster than I have run, I would like hang you up do the that and walk out the door. Like, I'm like, I'm no interest in continuing that's to run the sport. This yeah, exactly. Try run faster. Exactly. Run faster. So yeah. uh, I definitely, and I also think it, it gives me a great sense of like motivation to be like, well, I know I can run faster mm. and I know I should run faster. And I'm, I'm confident 
in in those things. You stop saying should. No, no, I should. <laughs> I absolutely should. Uh, and that's what keeps me motivated, keeps me going. Yeah. And, it, and that's why I, I really enjoyed, like, like my coach, Brian, like when I was, I, I moved to him when I was like 16, 17. And like, when I was going up through the years, like he would be like, okay, indoors, like these are the times you're going to run indoors. I'd be like, Brian, they are, they are so far from, from what my PBs and like so far from what, and I'd start the season and I, I'm so far away from those times. I'd be like, he is insane. Like there's no way I'm going to run. And I would always run them. Every time he'd set out, he would, he would have us set up perfectly so that you run them for your nationals or your, you know, whenever it mattered most. And so then when he told me like, these are the times you can run, we're going to run them this season. You know, when I was in maybe fifth year in school or something, I was like, yeah, okay, perfect. I can do them. And that's when the injuries, you know, began and, and the waterfall effect of, of all of those over the number of years. So I have great belief that I can do those things because someone who knows me very well and knows the sport very well was like, well, you can't, you mm-hmm. can't do those. Like, and I've also like seen them with other athletes, like, he doesn't say it to people he doesn't mean it to like he's you know doesn't fill your head with ideas that, that aren't achievable so um I think that was definitely that's something that keeps me like motivated keeps me going because I'm like like I see I see the goals he sets out for other athletes and I see them achieving those goals and like I know that he sets those goals according to where those people are and what their, yeah. their kind of potential is so I fully believe the ones you said for me. So. Yeah, well, I 100% believe it as well. But yeah. I think the difference, now maybe I'm getting too yeah. caught up in the language, but I think the difference is when you're speaking about Brian yeah. there, he's saying these are the times that you can run, not the times that you should run. Whereas when you're saying it, you're yeah. putting it, these are the times that I should be running. I don't think I should be running them right now, but mm. I think I should be running them eventually for sure. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I know what you mean, but like I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell myself those things and and like I can't I can't run them so I should run them I think the, <laughs> I'll drop it don't worry I'll drop it but the other thing that interests me a little bit is when you're speaking about those goal that goal setting mm. that you did with Brian like it seems that he was very focused on the process yeah and then like that's something that you can control a little bit more than the outcome whereas when you were speaking about your own personal goals for the games you're like I'm going to get in the top eight yeah. But you can't control if other athletes run eight world no, records. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know but what I mean? I think just like the, I would always be someone who's quite realistic when I look at a lineup of people. Mm. So it's like if I am racing anywhere and I have a sense of where those other athletes are, I'm like, I'm going to line up and know realistically where I'm kind of going to be. Am I going to be top of the pack, middle yeah. of the pack, bottom of the pack, you know? And I'm still going to get on the line and like go through the whole spiel of telling myself I'm the best person on the line. I'm going to win. It's going to be a big PB, you know, like I do that whole like self, you know, like talking to myself and real like hype myself up and everything. But I'm also like not deluded, like I'm realistic and I kind of know where I stand in terms of like a level of performance. So for me, like looking at where I was in training and what my splits were and where we kind of thought I would be running I was like okay it'd be very realistic for me to to aim to be in that top 10 top eight and you know at different stages where those goals were like I'd be quite realistic about those goals and they have less to do with with uh like those numbers and more to do with like I know that my sort of performance is going to be in and around this kind of a time slot when I look at everybody else that kind of puts me middle of the pack here so I I know that I can be competitive in in that sense like I wouldn't just turn around and be like I got. I want to be top ten, or I want to win a medal. If I have no sense of what it's going to take to get there, and if I have no like kind of touch on reality of like how I'm going to get there, Uh, so I think like for me, like my big goal is like running better times, 
and like you know being competitive in in all the races that I enter and that then means like if I can improve myself and improve my times then that means that the, the performances and, and the positions that I come are going to improve with it so like instead of focusing on like being first or like being in a final it's like focus on being like the best version of myself or like the fastest I can go or the best I can do in that season and then that then naturally kind of helps you progress through a field of people so that's very rational way more rational than I was gathering first and it sounds very situational as well like you're looking at the lineup yeah that's against you before you determine where I'm going to be but it also coming back to like this season it's very process orientated. So have you kind of identified what processes you're going to focus on in this first block of training um, or even just the whole season to keep yourself right? Or where is the scope scope. for you to improve, to keep yourself on the track? Because I think that's the main thing as well. Like sometimes I forget that I say things and people don't understand the context that kind of goes in behind them. So it's like when I'm like, I'm going to do a year injury free. Like, (laughs) okay, how? Um, Um, so like for me like the goal like I think beforehand is kind of been like like I'll reach a window where it's like okay well you have six weeks until the qualifying window closes so you mm-hmm. you have to run and you have to run these times and if you don't you're not going so there's kind of like a, a, a pressure to like right you have to turn on this load or like you have to add this to your program you have to like like you have to be able to do blocks you have to be able to do acceleration work you have to be able to do speed work and like you have to put them together in a race and I, it's kind of meant there's been these squishes of kind of a lot of work that should be done over a lot of time have had to be done quite quickly. And look, it is what it is. It was what it was. It had to be done. Whereas like this year, I think my main goal is like an indoor season. If I get there and I'm in a place to do it, I'll do it. I'm in no way putting myself under pressure to do it. Like there's no sense to me in going back now and being like, okay, well, I have to be at max speed work and like have really good starts in in January because I'm doing an indoor season like I'm like I'll see if I'm doing one like you know I think like I even had to write out which sounds so bizarre like for like our team manager was asking us to send over kind of like initial kind of plan for for the year like January to January next year which is like ludicrous because you're like well nothing ever goes according to plan but I suppose like the overarching theme of it was basically like in this month and in this phase of training if it's appropriate and if the body is able for it we'll move things up and it's like there's no there's going to be no moving on to the next stage moving up and load moving out distance up and speed up and weight like in any of that kind of stuff unless the body is completely happy with it which I mean is obviously the kind of goal for everyone always but it's like it hasn't really been the reality for me with kind of time crunches so like there's a world championships for us next year in August end of August yeah um and I'm like I would obviously very much like to be there and I'd like to be competitive in it but if I get to a position where I'm not if where I'm not able or not capable to to be you know competitive for for that I'm I'm not gonna go do you know like I've like I think I've just learned that like I just have no interest in being on a team to make up numbers and like that's that's not to say that that's a bad thing but I've just I've done it I just don't I don't want to do it anymore like I just am not interested in it and I, like I know I should be competitive in those fields and I can be and so for me like the goal is like go through each phase of the training and at each point assess and be really realistic and make sure that like when we like you know up the load up the speed distance whatever it is that like those are like 
sustainable moves and sustainable choices in terms of managing that sort of load like there's no point in like adding on a whole rake of load and then being like oh shit we can't handle that like we have to pull back back. yeah oh yeah exactly so I think that the kind of it's sustainable development through throughout the year so um you know we're trying to put in place like new systems instead of doing a kind of like maybe three weeks on one week easy and doing a kind of build up like a 50 percent 75 100 75 50 like you know something like that uh like my coach was, was talking about that last week. So, you know, I'm, I love that. Yeah. I'm excited definitely to just like, even like winter training. Like I haven't, I haven't, I haven't run over a hundred meters in like years, like, you know, so I'm excited to get back to a place where like, I can, like, I can do one twenties, I can do one fifties, I can do two hundreds, you know, and like, maybe those are going to have to be at like a certain pace. I'm not going to do them at the pace I used to do them. And like, we have to build in, but like, you know, I'm, I'm excited to do that. And I, I think realistically, like I'm going to have to maintain a certain amount of bike work Yeah. <laughs> for a good amount of years, you know. Uh, Your I, best I, friend. Yeah, definitely. I've been on the bike for like almost four years now. Like it's yeah. crazy. But I, like, I think being realistic, like I am an athlete. Like I think Greg Rutherford is, is a good example of it because like, you know, he famously won his gold medal in London off like two sessions a week. Yeah. Like, well, obviously he was doing a lot more work than that, but like that was, a, he was only on the track twice a week doing his jumps and stuff. I spoke to his SNC coach. He wasn't really doing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be like, he did nothing, but like he, he, did, he just optimized what he was doing. Exactly. So Dan Faf is the goal. Exactly. Oh my God. Like he, I literally worship the words he, yeah, <laughs> he so. puts out in the world. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's the whole thing. And like, that's for me is like, do what you can do quality like there's no like quantity is like useless if you're not doing it well if it's injuring you so like quantities of cop out yeah absolutely and i think it's like bullshit you're taught when you're growing up like people who train hardest are the best no they're not it's an irish thing like it's such a lie i'm like if i like if hard work paid off i'd have had medals years ago like hard work is like really means nothing in the grand scheme of things like once you're at that level like everybody works hard everybody's talented it's about the people who are smarter about what they do who are luckier who you know put themselves in the right position so like like it is uh I think it's definitely for me it's like I'm you know like if two times on the track is all I can do like that's all I can do it doesn't matter that the girl next to me does four times a week on the track like you know like I'm gonna have to optimize and and do what's best for for me and for my body and for injuries and stuff like that I suppose as I said there, I absolutely love that. Being yeah. a strength and conditioning coach, I love how system orientated it yeah. is. And you have to graduate through this yeah. before you can get to that. And that's the luxury with athletics. Yeah. Because you're it's more of a linear periodization for model. Sure. So you, you have that luxury, but yeah. often there will be constraints on it yeah. that you have to get ready for this. So although you're not at that stage yet, we're still going to push it yeah. past that stage. Yeah. But to move away from the nerdy periodization yeah. type stuff, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that you said there came down to the mental side of it. And the mental side of how you approach the sport and approach your training. Yeah. And like, obviously, I talk a lot about like managing load quality over quantity, yeah. a short to long approach, as you said there, yeah. like in your training. But like, it's not talked about so much or not given as much care is like, your attitude towards your training and it sounds like you're a coach's dream because all the things that they've been saying to you have either got through to you or yeah. you've come to your own conclusions over the years well I'm incredibly stubborn so I think that kind of helps with my uh, uh kind of work ethic and my kind of mentality around those things but I think as well like I started working with 
Donal, as we kind of mentioned mm. earlier, when I was, I think, 18. And like, I do think that a lot of the work that I did with him actually, like more than physically, like mentally put me in a really good place to be able, like he always was, as we went through work, I suppose Brian was was actually quite similar in, in that, like, when you know, they were obviously from two quite different worlds, but like mm. that when any time I was given something new to do a training or there was like a new goal or a new exercise, there was always a why. So it's like, yeah. why are we doing this? Like, what are the benefits? And I was always encouraged to ask questions to kind of to be like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the right fit for me. Or like, OK, yeah, I like that. But like, I actually feel like crap today. I'm, I'm not so sure about that session today. You know, so like I was always encouraged both in the gym and, and on the track to be very vocal. And I think that helped me learn and grow a lot. And so it put me in a position where like I am I'm quite like I'm quite sure and quite confident and I feel like I, I know my body quite well. So, you know, someone says we're going to do this. I'm like I'm like I'm like the reaction I'm having to that kind of workout or that kind of session. It's just not it's not what we're looking for. I think, you know, and like often like, you know, I, I can do an exercise in the gym or I can do a rep on the track and your coach says to you what was wrong. And I can usually tell you what was wrong with it before someone has to point it out to me. So like. I think having having people who encouraged learning and who encouraged uh, kind of like that questioning and like I think you you just always have to have a why you always have to have like buy into what you do and and having people who weren't afraid to admit they you know were wrong you know were wrong mm-hmm. or maybe that they didn't have all the answers like people were like oh you know I don't know the answer to that question I'm going to find out and I'll come back to you yeah. like I think that's something Donald was always so brilliant at and like it it made me realize that people who people who are really really sure and yeah. really like I know everything actually know nothing thing you know and it's like if you're not willing to, to collaborate and to listen to an athlete when they speak then like to be honest like you're not worth anything like in my opinion so like I think having like that made like having a good mindset around training quite I think it definitely helped if somebody says always or never a lot yeah. they're probably talking at their arse. yeah definitely. Um, but something there like touching on your coaches it sounds like you're very self-aware and you're very willing to give them that information that they need and and speak and talk to them and develop things together. Yeah. And something that I noticed earlier when you were saying about the Paralympics and they were talking and you were talking to your coach and said, no, we can't do this because then we'll have to do this and this won't suit us. Yeah. So it sounds like it's very much a collaboration and you have a very close connection with your coaches. Yeah. Well, like, like I think it has to be a collaboration. It's like, if you, you know what I mean? If you don't gel or work with the people around you, it's, it's going to be a mess. I think like every athlete has probably experienced like a, you know, a a match either in, in training or, you know, coaching or physio or something that doesn't work. And it's like, I've been through that and it's just like, it's just a nightmare. Like when you know, when you feel like you don't believe in the work that you're doing, it's never going to work. So I think having that buy-in um, is, is definitely really incredibly important. And like, so I moved uh, over to working with Kira McCallion and Claire Brady in, in the Institute of Sport just before <laughs> COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, I just love working with them because they're, they're two girls who've obviously worked in athletics who know athletics inside out. And so like, it's so important. And so it's so exciting for me to work with people who like understand the ins and outs of it. And, you know, like it gives me great like faith in, in what they say and gives me great belief in, in their kind of ideas and, 
and they're great with like that kind of giving you the why and you know always being there to answer the questions you have about things and, and being collaborative and everything so that's really exciting and then on the coaching side on, on the track I suppose like I actually haven't like I haven't really been like quote unquote coached at the track in, in quite a long time obviously because I've been going through injuries Kira and Claire have led a lot of my work um, and then going back to the track this year. So I, I joined with Brian when I was younger and then Mick Hines was an athlete in Rohini and he kind of transferred over to, to doing some coaching work with Brian three or four years ago. And they kind of made like a great team because Brian has like a wealth of experience and knowledge and, and Mick had because he's younger kind of has a bit of his like you know he's somewhat more on the ball of the technology so he'd mm-hmm. say like let's get the free lap up to train in or like I'll take videos and we'll go through that you know mm-hmm. which is like obviously quite opposite to the way Brian would do things but together they kind of made a good combination because like even like Brian sometimes would be like oh on Friday we're going to do sleds and we'd get up and and we'd be doing the warm-up and then Mick would be like Brian didn't you say we were going to do sleds today he'd be like oh yeah 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 we're going to do that today so you know they kind of yeah, kept, you know that. it was a nice combination together and you know like also like Brian taught I would imagine like make a lot and I'd say for Mick that was you know a brilliant person to be latched on to like it doesn't get much better than than, yeah. than Brian you know as a mentor so then obviously this year when I went back to the track, like um, Brian wasn't well. So I was kind of going back and trying to make that decision. Like, well, like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, you know, because like, I don't want to leave Brian's group because I like it. I like Brian. I, mean, I don't want to go to another coach. And it's also like, you don't move coach at that, you know, that late in the game. Yeah. And so like, I then had to, you know, like sit down with Mick and have a conversation around like, look, this is kind of what I'm, I'm going to require are you happy to take that? Can on? you give me that? Can yeah. you give me that? And I, like, this is your out. If if you don't want to do that and you're not yeah. interested, like, I'm so fine with that. And like, I, that's completely understandable yeah. because like, I'm asking a lot. And like, Mick was like, no, like, I want to do it, and like, I'd like to step up. So like, I obviously appreciate greatly like the time he gave me, and and like, do you know what I mean? He obviously made the effort to to, to contact and be in in contact with Kira and Claire. And so like you said, it's like yeah. having that constant like collaboration and communication through a team uh that definitely helps for yeah. sure and you at the center of it as well Hopefully. like you're the most important <laughs> um but yeah athlete centered care i suppose yeah. um but then like we've we've talked or you've touched on brian an awful lot there and yeah. like obviously away in tokyo like yeah when that news broke through yeah and that has had obviously you were going through the grief of injury you were going through grief with that mm-hmm. like that had to be incredibly hard to deal with over yeah. there how did you go about attempting to deal with that even if you like if you can only attempt it because yeah. that's probably all you can no, do and then exactly did you use that to yeah, get I mean, yourself to the start line in a way well yeah it's like to be very honest it's the only reason I was on the start line like uh like I was gonna say like you know at some point people were kind of like I know Brian would want you to be there. And I'm like, yeah, I know. He told me as much, <laughs> you know, uh, like I, I went up to see him before I left for Tokyo. So literally the day before. And at this point, like he, they just brought him home from hospital. And like, it was definitely like when I was going in, like I know Connie, his wife was quite concerned. She was like, God, like, it's going to be really hard now for Orla to go in and see him like that and, and, and leave tomorrow kind of a thing. And like, she definitely wasn't wrong. Like it was definitely incredibly difficult to go in and, and see him so unwell, obviously. Mm-hmm. And like at this point, like we knew, we knew he was going to pass, you know? So, but to be honest, like it was just uh, like so, so powerful. It was so incredible. I was so, so glad I got to see him before he left because like 
I didn't have to be sick. Like no one had to say like, Brian would be so proud. Like I'm like, yeah. he told me he was proud. He told me he wanted me to be there. He told me, you know, all the things that people would imagine he would have said, yeah. like he said them. So, so for me, like going there and then like getting injured, like I know for a fact, some of the other athletes had kind of mentioned like, well, shit, if that happened to me, I wouldn't be here. Like I'd yeah. go home. And I was like, oh my God, I've been so much, Brian would be fuming if I got on a plane home now. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, you know, the big man is watching upstairs and like, this is where he wants me to be. He's told me as much this is what he wants me to do. I'm going to be here for him and like make him proud. And then also like his, his whole family who were just so incredible and, and so supportive, like for them as well, like, you know, to see like all the time and work and effort that Brian has funneled into like all of his athletes and to have, you know, I mean, Brian was never like results weren't the yeah. reason he did what he did. It was like making people better people and, and making them good at what they did and what they loved and everything. So for them as well to kind of have that, uh, you know, I wanted to to kind of run and and it be a tribute to him and and to you know speak about him and stuff as I was doing it because like he was the only reason I staged to be frank and to give everybody I suppose a positive thing yeah. to look at and look at you achieving over there like and even if it it wasn't going to be a medal this yeah. time like to to watch you running yeah but that sounds like just because you saw you saw him and you spoke to him yeah. you're saying it made it a little bit easier but it doesn't make it easy no i sorry and that's not it was incredibly difficult yeah. like especially as well like when obviously i found out that he'd passed and like i like went to his funeral online and everything like i was alone in a room in like quarantine in mm -hmm. narita city mm -hmm. uh which was like very bizarre and surreal but like the the group of us who trained together would all be quite close so like you know like I like the lads were on to me like every hour someone was almost texting me saying like hey do you want to call like what's up you know like mm. so I was kind of in, in contact and kind of was like clued in with everything that was going on at home that kind of helped me feel like I was like somewhat you know a bit of a part of it but it definitely like when you're sat in a hotel room and you, you can't leave you can't even go for like a lap around the hotel to clear your head like at, like those are the points where you're like I don't want to be here like what the hell am I doing here like I just want to be at home like especially because Brian was such an important part of my life like I think some people are like oh like her coach and I'm like no like he's like a family member like you know uh like he was like I'd have been very close with Brian so do you think that I know obviously it was incredibly difficult being in that room but do you think like you have to face your emotions and your thoughts head on then because oh yeah. you're on your own do you think that helped you not that you would be over something like that quickly no. but do you think that that helped you to well yeah at least be we, at peace with your feelings that yeah because when, when we went to the village then like like the rooms are quite small and like you're sharing a room and you're sharing an apartment and there's just like there is no personal space like anywhere you know you go to the dining hall you inevitably run into someone and even if you don't there's still a hundred thousand people sitting around you like you know it's there's no there is no space so at least I was by myself and I'm definitely someone who like I do like my space like as much as I like company and I do well with other people like I do definitely like crave that time to kind of decompress and like have my own space so I definitely appreciate that I had my space to, to kind of work through all of that and you know what I mean have the space to like feel the emotions and, and everything and sure like I came off the track and like I'd kind of you know been quite calm that week in in the village and, and kind of held myself together kind of and then yeah. like I crossed the finish line I walked out and like RTE were there like let's do an interview and I just like, started bawling crying and they were like um we're in no rush you can take your you can you can go so I like I hit a corner finished bawling crying and then it's like 
I'm good to go now, guys. Like, you know, it's it's kind of a weird, I think it was definitely like I'd kind of definitely been holding holding things in and together until I got across the finish line. And then it all kind of like hit me like, you know, another wave of it for sure. Um, I think I, like that's good though that it was RTE as well, because I think Irish people are a little bit better at dealing with grief for some reason. Yeah. So they were like, <laughs> yeah. go take your time and come yeah. back. Whereas if it was like an international news station or whatever, yeah. they'd be like, we got the scoop. We're yeah, going to get her crying on TV. <laughs> Brilliant. Like, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely think, oh my God, RTE have caught a lot of tears on camera at the games this year, I yeah. think. <laughs> you know, so I definitely think that was like, there's definitely different stages at which it hits you at different points. And like, even now, like thinking about going back to the track in the coming weeks mm. I'm like it just like I'm already like dreading being at the track without them like not like obviously like physically it's gonna be hard going back to the track and getting back into the sessions but like it's definitely like I think last year when I, I transitioned back to the track it was quite gradual like I'd be there once a week or then maybe I was there twice a week and often with COVID and, and the restrictions, like a lot of the, the group weren't really training. Like I had access and I, I was very lucky to have that access, but like I'd go up and Mick would go up and we'd do a session and that was it. So it didn't like, I knew Brian was at home and like half the time I'd give him a call on my way home from a session anyway. So like it didn't feel so strange because everything yeah. was strange then and nothing was meant to feel yeah. normal. Whereas like now I, I think with groups going back as normal and, you know as per it's going to be strange to go back to the track and for him not to be there and for the group not to be the same and like you know I think yeah. that that's going to be quite hard once we kind of get to that level and like some of the girls who went back last week like they're already like oh shit like it's just like it's weird like you know so I think like those things like they do always come at different points you know but I think as well like from even watching what's been going on in the media and the papers and online in the last few months, like since Brian has passed away, like mm. Brian has helped so many people and has touched so many people within the Irish oh athletics that there will yeah. be always someone there for you to speak yeah. to and that will no, be able to connect absolutely. with. So like, yeah, there's like, even like my physio Kira, like Brian used to coach her. Mm. So you know what I mean? Like every, like there's like, you like you don't really meet anyone in Irish athletics who doesn't know who Brian is, you know, yeah. or there's like such a, a huge number of people who at a point were coached by Brian as well. Like when I came home in September, we did a session in, in St. Anne's park and it was kind of like an open session, just kind of like in memory of Brian. And it was like, come up and it was three sessions run kind of like a one twenties, a, a 500s and a 700s kind of loop depending on what group you were what kind of level you were at and then like the, for the people who weren't running we just all kind of stood around and cheered everyone else on for the session and got coffees and stuff like that and like the turnout for that was massive and like there was like that wasn't like a big organized it was like someone put up a message on like facebook or yeah. instagram or something you know like and and so many people turned up and like do you know what i mean you're like this is only a fraction of the people who you know would would turn up you know in, in ordinary times and like even it's only a fraction of the people who've like touched brian's life and where brian has you know impacted their lives sorry so yeah that's the thing but that's like, a testament it's, to the legacy amazing. yeah isn't it? he's Absolutely. left such a legacy with yeah. everybody's and and it's, yeah yeah it's amazing also to hear like you know lots of people kind of shared their stories of, of brian and you know jenny his daughter shared a lot of those at his at his funeral which was really really beautiful and she was kind of saying like we didn't even realize like how much our dad affected people's lives 
kind of until quite recently, like now with like everyone sharing these stories that like he didn't just want the best for people in athletics. He wanted the best for those people in everything they did, like in their lives and their, you know, and Brian was the first person to, you know, give out about someone missing a training session. You know, he'd be like, blah, 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 blah. But he was also the first person to tell you if you were in the middle of your exams, take it easy, go for a run every second day. Don't, don't come up for a week, get the exams done. You know, like, so he, he was always, you know, very understanding and, and realized that athletics was something that was a part of your life, but it shouldn't be your whole life. And I think sometimes I definitely forget that and it, it becomes my whole life and it consumes me. And it's something I try and remind myself that like, it's definitely a, a huge part of my life, but sometimes I have to remember like, it's not everything. But yeah, hundred you know? percent. And that's what made him such a good coach. I'm so yeah. sure because that is part of it is yeah. just knowing when to push and when to hold back. <laughs> yeah, and I'm exactly. sure he was probably holding you back yeah. more than he was pushing <laughs> him from the sounds thing. So it's great to talk about him. And yeah. obviously I saw that. I don't know how many people voluntarily ran 700s. Yeah. Uh, was there I honestly, there were too many. <laughs> it was so funny as well because Jenny was like his daughter was up and she was like was was this my dad's brainchild this session we were like oh yeah and she was like oh he must have gotten meaner in his old age his daughter old at all but you know we were like she was like he didn't make us do this when I ran like yeah 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 no Kill and Kieran were taking out the charge on the 700s brilliant good god that's gas um but yeah what a way to send them off as well and like yeah definitely you've had it like we're going to move on now from the grief because I yeah. think it is important that people do realize that grief is something you have to go through, but yeah. you, it doesn't mean you can't grow from it and no. improve from yeah, it and like achieve everyone, things from you it. Know, and especially with the year that, yeah. that, that's been in it, I'm sure a lot of people have had to deal with, with grief in, in different ways, you know? Yeah, and you have to deal with it in more than one, as I said, because you had the grief of loss there and then you have the grief of injury and you do go through a grieving process when you injure yourself as well. As you touched on earlier, you will even go into like a bargaining stage with the injury. It's like, oh, just let me get to the finish line and then I'll do whatever you want. You go through your anger, you go through a little, like sometimes you even do go through a depressive kind of stage too. Like, so you will go through all those stages. It might not be linear. You might go through them and go back and that's it. That's life. Like you just have to deal with it, but it sounds like your support network and your support system is very, very good and very strong. So like that helps you to get through it too. But then to touch on the more lightheartedness, yeah. I suppose, from moving on from that, because we're go- both going to be emotionally spent after this. <laughs> um, obviously, you're in NCAD, yeah. and it's not necessarily the commonly trodden path for athletes. Not. Yeah. So, yeah. like, have you always been somebody that's went down the path less trodden or wanted to be yourself and been comfortable being your authentic yeah. self? I don't know what it was. Like, I think, like, I, I always really enjoyed art in school. It was like the only subject that didn't feel like work for me. Like it just was somewhere I always really enjoyed and I could kind of like be myself and push myself in, in ways that I felt I just couldn't push myself elsewhere. Uh, and it like, even like, to be honest, like it I only really became something that I, I considered doing in college, like quite late on, like my art teacher was really good and she was like, you should really like do a portfolio for art college. Like you should definitely like try that. I was like, I think you have to be like really good to do that. And she's like, well, you have to be creative and interested in it. And like, you were both of those things. So like, I definitely think you should give it a shot. So I am um, like, my sixth year in school is very bizarre. I was like training away as always, but I was also starting the process of, of classification through Paralympic sport, mm. which I kept kind of quite low key. I, I didn't really let people know because I was like, 
well, I'm going to tell people all this and it's not going to happen kind of a thing. So I kind of kept that under wraps and I was training away. I was doing the leaving cert and then doing my portfolio to get into art college. And like the guidance counselor in our school was like, I don't think you should do that. Like, <laughs> it's definitely not they supportive. Like people are not supportive of it. Like, and it, it was so funny. Like they were like, you should t- take a year out and like next year do the portfolio. And I'm like, you're not telling that to all the girls doing the HPOT. Like what know. about business? <laughs> I was, that was thrown. <laughs> Not me, I'm yeah, not joking. Was, like, yeah, sports science and health isn't yeah, commonly trodden no, pad either. Like, so, yeah, I was even like, I think I had so many interests that I was like, I'll, I'll find something I want to do. Like, I loved art, and I was like, I'd love to do that. But if it doesn't work out, I would love to do something in in the world of, of sports. So whether that's a you know athletic treatment and therapy, PE, something yeah. like there was so many of those that I was interested in, especially in like DCU as well, mm-hmm. being such a big athletics college. Um, and then I was also like really into like kind of uh, science in, in the space of like uh, like zoology and veterinary medicine, like stuff like this. I was like super, I had so many interests. So like I was never concerned that I wouldn't find something I wanted, but I was also always really like set in my ways that like things just work out the way they're supposed to. Yeah. So I like, I spent all of this time and put all of this work and energy into our portfolio to get into our college. And I applied for one course, which is in hindsight, very stupid for the amount of work that I did. I was just like, I only want back to back yourself. Though. Um, back yeah, yourself. I was like, I, like there's other art colleges are good. I just don't want to go to them. So I was like, I only want to go to NCAD. And uh, if I get in, I'm meant to go to art college. Yeah. But if I don't, then I'm I'm meant to go to a normal college. Yeah. Um, so like I went through the whole process of kind of you know making contact with with some of the colleges around like sports scholarships and you know with Endon in, in DCU yeah. and all that kind of stuff and like. You know like there was great support there and great kind of like oh yeah, oh, yeah we'll get you in here now we'll do whatever we can and to support live you live and breathe right. athletics yeah exactly and like that was also like a really exciting prospect yeah. and and so it was definitely kind of hard to leave that behind as opposed to like those courses and the, that education it was definitely hard to to kind of make the decision to do NCID and to leave behind the support in athletics. Yeah. And like, I do sometimes wonder like, God, like what would have happened if I went to somewhere like DC or UCD and, you know, like had that support system. Like I had to set up the athletics. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. society or club or yeah, whatever. In NCID. It was just you. And one other person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's brilliant. Very it's close. So though. You'd be able to connect yeah, exactly. Well. Um, so it was just quite funny like uh, and it's definitely like the road less taken but yeah. it's also like it also brings around more opportunities than you think because mm-hmm. you go to a college that's quite small and like sport doesn't exist within the walls so when you go to them and you say like look I have to go on this two-week training camp they're like okay but they don't okay cool yeah no that's fine um and you know if you're like I have to leave early I have this competition and wherever they're like okay brilliant love that you know, yeah do that you know so they were always break a leg yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they were always so incredibly accommodating so good to me because well I think as well like uh, that kind of went hand in hand with doing the work like yeah if I was a student who didn't do the work they weren't going to be accommodating to me yes. so like I made sure to and I, like I'm definitely like a bit of a perfectionist so like I've no interest in going really? to college. <laughs> you wouldn't think it. Um, but I'm like, I've no interest in, in going to college and like not putting in the work, or yeah. like not doing the best that I think I can do. And um, so I, I definitely always put the work in. So then when I went and asked for something ludicrous, like three weeks off college to go and sun myself in Tenerife, like they always said yes because I always came back with the work done. So yeah. I definitely think 
in somewhere like UCD, like obviously there's a pathway for athletes and there's, you know, a set kind of system and rule, but it just means if you go and ask them for something, they're like, well, we can't do that for you because we can't do it for a hundred other athletes. So like, I definitely think there's, there's pros and cons to where I was. It's interesting though, everything that you said there, like that you were interested in going doing, because I'm just reflecting like on when I, as I said, with my guidance counselor saying, I want to do sports science and health. The question that always cropped up is, well, what are you going to be? What what are you gonna be? Like, I don't know. I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, I'm only 18. Yeah. Like for you, it was different now because you were 18 and going off to the Paralympics for the first time. But in the same thing, everything that you picked there, like zoology, athletic therapy training, like they're all things that you study first and then you pick down the line, which I think is better and affords you more time to figure it out. Definitely, but still like an art as well. Yeah, someone who went and was like, I've all these ideas of things I want to do. And I'm like, what about business? <laughs> Where have Why I ever alluded yeah. to the fact that I have any interest in yeah. that? And like, I think it's it's also quite funny because like, a lot of my friends obviously went down kind of more traditional paths and in, in college and into to jobs now. So like, they're like working in proper jobs, yeah. and I'm like still like floating around, like haven't finished college. Uh, but it's funny, like they're like, oh yeah, when when are you going to graduate? Age fifty, is it? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, guys, big graduation party, few years. <laughs> Yeah, but there's no, there but shouldn't be nice, as much pressure yeah. to go with the flow. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you always had like a big strength of will or a strength of character to yeah. say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to apply for this one course yeah. and I'm going to get it. Yeah. And if I don't get it, for then sure. whatever happens. And happens. even like with deferring college then a couple of years ago, it like came down to that same sort of like mentality. Like I got to a point where I was just like, I am so miserable. Mm. I was like, just like coming back after my surgery, like I just missed so much work was really behind on like where I wanted to be in training like I was just like it was so much going on I was under so much pressure too many things I was so miserable and I was like well I was like there's a very simple way to make myself less miserable and I said let's just take away one of the stresses and like the college were really brilliant and accommodating and I was able to defer that semester that I'd already like done half of on medical grounds Mm -hmm. so you know I can I'm going to go back and do that this year but like technically I did half of that semester, but I get to start that semester and yeah. do that full semester and, and do that properly and do it well. And so like, I think so much of like, I don't know if it's an Irish thing, but it's like, you know, grin and tough it out. It's yeah. like bear, bear down and like you're, you're this far now, you might as well finish it. And like, I think do think to an extent that there is importance in, in seeing things through, but there's also like importance in like looking after yourself as well. I think Definitely. like I'm still going to see the college thing through, but I didn't have to see it through in 2019. Well, I'm gonna yeah. Like I'm going to do it, but like I'm just doing it in 2022 instead. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's what I mean. Like, do you think that you were always like that? Or do you think a lot of that kind of strength of character or strength of will came from having to go away at 18 and be an adult so fast? in that yeah. you went to Rio you're obviously going through the classification and everything and then you're like yeah. right well you're in the world stage now with all these adult yeah. elite athletes. athletes yeah it was definitely like chucked in the deep end for sure because even like there was a Europeans that year and um, that obviously a lot of athletes went to in terms of like qualifying and classifying for, for mm. the games but like it was bang smack in the middle of the leaving search so like I would come home from English paper one and like be online to check people's results to be like okay where where am I standing like you know with all of this and like I remember like being up in Santry doing like a graded meet one of the evenings and someone was going on about like and apparently the English paper and I was like oh yeah no it was 
so you did that this morning and why so why are you here and yeah. I was like well I had to run a race like I had to get the time in you know so it was definitely like there was a lot going on that's I think. confidence as well though yeah I think it definitely gave me I think it definitely gave me such a boost because like I had like what was probably like I'd say the most full-on year of my life and I look at it now and I'm like how did I do that like I got up in the morning went to gym before I went to school and then I came home from school was doing portfolio and going to training again like it was such a manic year but I came out the other end of it I qualified for the Paralympics I got into art college I like survived the leaving cert and I was like well shit like things did kind of work out and and so I think that's why like when I I you were talking about the different stages of injury and like I think anger is one that I've definitely kind of spent a bit too much time in (laughs) over the last number of years but I think that kind of belief always kind of comes around and kicks back in when I'm like you know what like things work out and things have to like turn around in your favor eventually like do you know what I mean I'm like you can't be injured forever I'm like it's gonna click eventually like things are gonna work out like t- look well like obviously Tokyo was never meant to be I wasn't supposed to like so maybe that maybe that was meant to be and maybe that's because Tokyo or like Paris is, is where things are gonna click for me yeah. so uh, I think that like constant like belief that things are just gonna work out like helps to kind of give me a sense of calm and the kind of it's an open kind of growth mindset as well essentially but if you were to put a label on it but it's just about being not positive but like rational that things can and and should improve they should (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but I hate that like when people are so overly positive or overly negative yeah I'm like very happy to be realistic whether that's positive or negative but I'm I'm also happy to be kind of like look things are going to work out it'll be you know what's for you won't pass you and like I think I've always had that sort of attitude and I think that year really confirmed that for me so it kind of gave me the faith to keep the faith in in that sort of idea Mm -hmm. so that's definitely brought me a lot of like peace and a lot of confidence over over the last number of years and hopefully on from that but like maybe it was as well being thrown in the deep end if you can get through the leaving cert basically you can get through anything is what we're saying so anybody that's I think so still have nightmares about it so yeah. I'm like it did something to all of us definitely uh, but I think yeah at that age I was I definitely kind of matured kind of a little bit earlier because I, I had to do all of that stuff and mm-hmm. I had to make it through that stuff and it was just busy like it wasn't the end of the world it was just very busy and it was demanding and then I was like ah, it'll work out and it kind of did so I was like oh okay <laughs> so if I just kind of keep cool put the work in it'll work, do that, it'll work out exactly 100 yeah. right so finally we'll finish with quick fire questions okay. after that the first one is proudest achievement to date i, I know they're hard question. i hate this question yeah uh, it can be in anything though i don't know um like i feel like the obvious question or the obvious answer is like is like the Paralympics obviously yeah. that's the I think for me I would probably say Rio I definitely was like really unhappy with my performances in in Rio but I think it's like it was my first time wearing the Irish vest and and to represent your country at that level at that age and like you know I think that was really special uh, and I don't think like the the enormity of that that moment was definitely not lost on me so I think probably that even though it's it's kind of a, a weird one because I'm like I'm incredibly proud, but also like incredibly yeah, you disappointed. Could have been, but that's okay. That, <laughs> but I that, think that's okay. So I think for now I, I would definitely say that. I thought you were going to say your portfolio, to be honest, <laughs> because a lot of work goes into that, and they don't let people into NCAD willy nilly. You know, I think I mean? they definitely do a bit more than, than I think the people of NCAD like to let on as if it was really exclusive. Hard. Yeah, it's yeah. really exclusive, guys. 
Oh, I mean, I'm happy to be an NCD and I like being an athlete who's an NCD, but I don't think it's that extraordinary. It's not as extraordinary as Paralympics <laughs> at 18, which is fair enough. I'm sure everybody yeah. will agree with that. Favourite athlete of all time? That's a really hard one. Um, I feel like I want to say someone like Shelly Ann Fraser-Price. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's just hard to beat someone like that. I think as well, like, with, with all of the, you know... She ran a bit funny as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think with all, with all the kind of buzz around the, the Women's 100 this year, it just goes to show, like, she's been in the game, like, 10 years. Yeah. She's been, like, performing at, at the top level. And she's also incredibly nice, incredibly humble. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. And she doesn't care if you've got a Nike sponsorship yeah. deal or whatever. She'll she still beat you. Yeah, exactly. I like her. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. If you didn't compete in athletics, what sport would you play or compete in? Well, I think the I think the answer I probably have to give is cycling at this point. I spent so <laughs> much time on the bike. <laughs> Yeah. And I probably been, could at yeah this I was like I've been there's definitely been a few uh, conversations around it but uh definitely not like I think in terms of like growing up I really in, I enjoyed basketball a lot I played that probably latest of all I played a lot of sports as a kid and like they all kind of fell fell away but basketball was probably the one that like held on the longest but yeah I like that I also think like just to be random something like show jumping horse riding I'm like oh, that is that is an interesting sport like imagine like that'd be fun like <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I was on horse a few times when I was younger fell off and haven't oh, got back on since so I won't damn. be going down any yeah. show jumping soon um it's well, still yeah, terrifies me the modern pentathlon didn't wouldn't convince you of <laughs> so, going towards the, the show jumping anyway maybe the cycling maybe we'll yeah I think the cycling is probably the most realistic for me so Maybe that's if what's Paris happening. Paris doesn't work out. That's what see I was going to say. On a different Post track. Paris, so <laughs> literally a different track. Yeah, literally. Um, artists you've been listening to a lot recently. Uh, well, I think Frank Ocean isn't always I, like he never comes off my radar, but uh, also which album? Oh, th- that both. is so hard. Both of them. Well, yeah. Different vibe. On different both. vibe depends depends on when you ask me. At the moment, yeah. it's definitely I'm definitely on a blonde vibe. But, you know, a couple of months ago, it was only Channel Orange, you know. I like mixing them up as well. It is. It is nice. And it's nice to get the nostalgia altar in as well. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think definitely well, he's always on the rotation. A bit of Doja Cat as well at the moment. I have to say our new album, like, I feel like it's a guilty pleasure, but I feel like more people are coming around to her. So it's less of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I think there's been like a lot of artists named on this and a lot of them have been guilty pleasures, yeah. but they're con- they consistently come up. Yeah. So, so it's less of a guilty pleasure. If everybody's yeah, it was too. definitely the, the album that was playing most when I was in Tokyo anyway. Who's playing you in a movie? Another hard one. I've been told before that I look like Saoirse Ronan and that's just a lie. I don't look anything like her. I'm just blonde and Irish. <laughs> so I think that's... So I wasn't an Irish person that said that to you. Yeah, so. uh, not really. But I, know I also get, I suppose, just the colour of my hair. I get like, you know, from Game of Thrones, Khaleesi mm-hmm. and Lucius Malfoy. So, I mean, I don't know. Lucius <laughs> Malfoy. Yeah. People are me. Really? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that's only the hair. Nothing to do with anything else. What item can you not leave the house without? A bottle of water. I'm so bad for it. I like I would probably go through three liters of water a day in Dublin. That's good. If I leave the house without it, I actually feel like I feel like I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get your water now. Yeah. We're nearly finished. Have you been reading any books lately? Uh, I actually I listen to my books on okay. Audible. Yeah. Um. What? Yeah. I listened to Emma Dabry, the Irish author. 
wrote a book um, called What White People Should Do Next earlier in the year. And I just love it. It's like, it's really short. It's kind of a, a great conversation around a move from kind of like allyship to coalition. And it's really, really engaging. And it's like super small. So I listen to it and like, you can listen to it in the afternoon and it's one I kind of keep listening to. So I definitely- It's short, is it? Yeah, quite short, but it's, it's like really enjoyable. But aside from that, I'm listening to, uh, well, I finished a great book about Amy Winehouse recently, her best friend wrote. So that's, they're the ones I'm kind of enjoying. Audible is where it's at, isn't it? It like, is. It's just deadly. And you also find such random books you probably yeah. wouldn't pick up anywhere else. Definitely not. Uh, I'm listening to Barack Obama's at the moment, oh, just because he reads it. my li- yeah. It's so long. Because I listened bro. to Michelle Obama's one, and like, I haven't. I, she could have said anything. Like, I just yeah. like really enjoyed listening to yeah. it. And David Attenborough has one that he reads. I have it. So that's after Barack. So there you go. But, yeah, it's all about someone who reads their own book. Yeah, exactly. Like, like when I had Shane Carty on, he had the Audible coming out and I was asking him, oh, are you yeah. reading it? And he was like, absolutely not. Oh, damn. Like, you should read <laughs> you it. Should. Like, I think That's what makes them good. Yeah. yeah. Matthew McConaughey reads his own one and oh, that's come up a lot of times. Okay, and that book, definitely get that. Yeah. What's the biggest thing you've learned the last 12 months? Uh, patience. Patience. Life is going to hand you pretty crap situations you just kind of I think no like yeah I suppose patience is the kind of word I'm not always a very patient person but I think when I look back at the year and I look at the the frustrations and the upsets and the whatever it's kind of like being stubborn and and getting getting through those kind of feelings and just being patient with it all like it's gonna work out so life is long yeah it is last question what would you tell your 18 year old self what would I tell my 18 year old self? Probably something along the same vein. Like things aren't, things don't always work out. You know, you've just got to keep, keep putting the work in. I think that's the difference. It's like some people, you know, times get hard and then they make life easier and, and move on. And that's probably a good, good decision for a lot of people, but I'm, I'm glad that I've stuck with things. And so I think my advice to myself would be like, stick with it, you know? Unreal. Great message to yeah. finish. Thanks a million, Orla. Thank you. Very, me. very enjoyable. Excellent.